From Bureaucracy's Basement to your ears, this is the weekly meeting of the Queen City Improvement Bureau. Each week, the dedicated staff of the Bureau meet to file recommendations, make reports, and attempt to sleep on the beds of dot matrix printer paper as water drips into our open mouths from the boiler pipes as we sleep. One day, maybe we'll escape from this subterranean hell that is this basement, but until that day comes, this city is not going to improve itself. So here we stay, improving things. This meeting is now in session. Hello. Oh, hello, Matt. Okay, you, sorry, you, you, you took me aback. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm just so excited. It's it's uh, transit challenge. It's the last week of transit challenge season. Oh, and have you been taking the transit challenge? Uh, I'm on the bus right now, actually. I'm I'm remote from Regina Transit, and uh, yeah, as you can tell, you can hear in the background, I'm alone mm-hmm. on Regina Transit. I'm a little bit disappointed in Regina's. You know, they haven't really gotten into the the transit challenge spirit that mm-hmm. I was hoping. I'm wearing my uh, my 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 transit uh, my transit festivity wear and mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. my transit hat, my transit boots. Uh, and uh, my transit belt buckle. And, but, you know, nobody's really kind of into the spirit. I was singing my transit carols and the oh, driver nice. just told me, uh, sir, could you please shut up? Understand. So, I mean, uh, it's, it's, it's the, it's the traditional transit carol sort of response. Yeah. Well, it, you know, he was okay when it was just the singing, but when I brought out the bugle, my transit bugle, he was like, <laughs> no, sir. Uh, I'm sorry. And he tapped the sign. They uh, Since last year, they've <laughs> no put up bugles. a no transit bugle sign. That's right. Th- this sign raises many questions which are answered by this sign. Uh, well, I'm, I've am i got my uh, my Regina Transit SUV. Um, oh. My, it's a, it's a uh, H2 Hummer, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, which I drive around and celebrate transit by, by not using transit at all, which oh. is probably the way the city likes to celebrate transit by not taking it but well just so long as you observe just so long as you celebrate the season that's i i should we However, uh quick should we do attendance real quick we absolutely should yes all right so i'm 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 gonna do straight up attendance no no tricks this time okay uh paul deshen uh is paul deshen here i am paul deshen see yeah. told you no tricks uh and i also have aiden morgan that's that's what's on my lanyard. So I'm assuming that's me. Yeah, that's why I got you that lanyard. Great. And we have a third. It was it was your transit your your, your transit challenge week present. <laughs> Thank you so much. I appreciate that. Uh, and we have a third. We have a third attendee, a special guest tonight, uh, Julian Birch. Hello, Julian. Julian Branch. How are you? I'm fine. Thank you. Why I you know why did I say Birch? Because it's close gonna... to Branch. Yeah, I have I have not a birch branch. Uh, so yes, branches birch. come from birches. There you go. Good point. We might edit that out. But we probably won't. <laughs> At any rate, so how are you tonight, Julian? I'm very well. I've just uh, driven from Regina to Winnipeg on some very icy roads, so I'm glad to be off them. Oh yeah, that's that's good. Now I was uh, I was just the other day. I was drinking a very tall glass of lead and asbestos laced water and i thought we should we should have you on to uh, to talk about asbestos 
in the Regina water supply, or at least asbestos cement uh, that has been installed in Regina and has not been removed. Um, could you uh, tell us a little bit about this, uh, about what asbestos cement is, a little bit of the history of what it's doing under, in and underneath our city, and what, if anything, has ever been done about it? Sure, I'd be happy to. Um, asbestos cement was created around the turn of the last century by an Italian, and uh, it's not wrapped around the outside of the water pipes. It's integrated into the cement, why, which is why it's called asbestos cement piping. Mm-hmm. And it's used as a, an, a, a binding agent. And around the turn of the last century, we know that asbestos was called the miracle mineral. It was good in so many applications. And they quickly put it into asbestos cement pipes. They installed them around the world. There are currently about 2 million kilometers of asbestos cement piping left around the world. North America has a great deal of it. Australia, South Africa, New Zealand, you name it. It's Mexico, Ooh. Russia. It's it's all over the world. Uh, in 1945, somebody thought it would be a good idea to install it in Regina. That's when it started. It was installed from 1945 to 1988. That's when they stopped installing it because they found that uh, the asbestos pipes were breaking and that the asbestos was going into the water, causing a health concern, according to Mm -hmm. the numerous studies that the city, the province and the federal government did. So that's when they decided to look into what can we do about it? And they talked about relining or replacing the asbestos cement pipes. That was 20 years ago. Studies, a town hall meeting was held in Regina. Uh, people got very serious about it in 2005. This is when the studies started, and uh, it was uh, recommended that we replace the asbestos cement pipe in a big hurry. I checked in with the city of Regina Water and Sewer top boss there, uh, Curtis Doney, and he tells me that they have replaced of the approximately 600 kilometers of asbestos cement pipe in Regina, they have replaced or relined 35 kilometers in the past 20 years. Now, that's what I have to take from his answer. He said, when I asked him, how much have you replaced or relined? He said 35 kilometers. That's, um, that's you know, at that rate, it's going to take a while to, it's to replace. Take, it's going to take a very long time. The The city says they're replacing or relining 10 kilometers per year, which doesn't add up with the calculations I was given by the city. And even at 10 kilometers a year, that's 60 years. Yeah, that is, that is more than half a century. So the, the problem that I have with that, folks, is uh, we are currently looking at spending a half a billion dollars on catalyst committee projects. We've known about the asbestos cement pipes for over 20 years and have done very little to fix what I would consider to be a fairly large problem. No one even knows about them. People know about the lead pipes in Regina because lead is regulated in Canadian water. Asbestos is not regulated in Canadian water. Nobody knows about them. Nobody cares about them. Now, if you go to uh, Health Canada or the Canadian government site, uh, which talks about asbestos and drinking water, and I'm mm-hmm. sure you're familiar with with, uh, with this sentence, they say there is no consistent convincing evidence that asbestos ingested through drinking water is harmful to your health. Uh, what do you say to that? Uh, I say that rule came about in 18 or sorry 1989 33 years ago it's time to take another look now i understand that the province of saskatchewan has asked that the federal territorial drinking water committee take another look at those rules 
that is apparently begun this year. They're reviewing the rules on asbestos regulations, but that will take another two to three years. Here's the problem I have with that. In 1973, let's go back to 1973, asbestos was discovered in Lake Superior. The people in Duluth, Minnesota, noticed something was very wrong with their water. They investigated. Asbestos was found in the water. The fiber count was 644 million fibers per liter. A landmark environmental court case was held. Uh, The chief government witness was a fellow by the name of Irving Selikoff. Now, Irving Selikoff was responsible for discovering the dangers attached to the inhalation of asbestos. And back in 1973, Dr. Selikoff testified in a court of law that ingestion of asbestos was every bit as harmful as inhalation of asbestos. Hmm. The US EPA would study that for the next 20 years, two decades of study. In 1992, the United States of America regulated asbestos in water. 1995 EPA fact sheets say long-term ingestion of asbestos from old cement water pipes can cause, quote, lung disease, cancer. That's why I'm concerned. And that's why I have trouble believing that Health Canada in 2023 says there's no consistent convincing evidence that ingested asbestos is hazardous. Yeah, it does seem a little strange that if if one if the US is actually if the US is regulating it, it's it seems like this is something that actually does potentially pose pose a problem. Well, the million dollar um, question is if drinking asbestos can cause cancer in Americans, why can't it cause cancer? in Canadians. Um, something to do with our passports. I think something more to do with the history of asbestos. We all know where it was mined mm-hmm. for years. For decades, 40% of the world's asbestos came from Canada, mainly mm-hmm. one province, Quebec. Yes. So I think that's why there's some hesitancy on the part of Health Canada to uh, acknowledge that drinking asbestos might be a bit of a concern. Right, because then you would have all kinds of, I think, lawsuits, reprisals, etc. I think liability is, is huge. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I, that that makes perfect sense. Paul. Paul, were you? Uh, I thought I heard you attempting to say something there. Uh, yeah. Well, I was just wondering. Uh, the the city has an information page uh, on their website about asbestos concrete. Um, they've been testing since 2016. And all the test results here have, uh, they say there's non-detect, non-detect, non-detect. There's been no asbestos fibers detected in the drinking water. Of course, this is coming from the city of Regina. Um, I'm assuming you've you've seen this. Uh, what's your response? I have seen that. Um, my response uh, is to start with a, just a bit of a bit more history, if I may. In mm-hmm. 2012, when this issue was first raised with the city, They said they did not test. They did not have to test because Health Canada said there's no consistent convincing evidence. But don't worry, the water is fine. Oh, but we're relining asbestos pipes to keep the asbestos out of the water. Well, why would you spend $2 million to reline pipes if asbestos in water is not a problem? So that's 2012. Fast forward, and you're absolutely right. Since 2016, the city of Regina has been testing for asbestos in water. For four of those years, 2016, 17, 18, and 19, the city of Regina tested one location once a year, right behind the General Hospital. Mm -hmm. One test for asbestos once a year at one location for four years. 
And by the way, the reason the city of Regina started testing for asbestos, I'm guessing, is because I was asking for about three years before that, that they test for asbestos. So they tested those uh, one spot once a year for four years. That was 2016, 17, 18, and 19. Between 2010 and 2019, the city of Regina will tell you that there were 1,893 asbestos cement water main breaks. That's almost 2,000 asbestos cement water main breaks. And we were testing one location once a year, the same location. In 2020, they tested 11 locations. And you are correct, non-detect in all 11 locations. So should that fill us with hope then? That, like, I mean, because water main breaks haven't stopped happening, uh, you know, they, they, no, it doesn't, it they're so quite frequent, uh, but we're, t- we're testing like a lot more locations where we're getting non-detects. Does that, should people take some, some solace from that information? Well, I, I know that they tested 11 locations in 2020. I don't know what they've tested for 21 and 22. I don't know if we've gone back to one location or if we're still testing uh, 11 locations. Oh, no, it's right here. It's right here. They're testing the 11 locations. Okay, they are. The same. Yeah, so they're doing the same. Just let me double check. Yeah, so they're testing the exact the same locations for three years. So presumably they'll, they've got something set up and are going to be doing that into the future. I, I certainly hope they do, yes. And I, I just find it incredibly strange that they have found non-detect levels at all those locations. Let me talk to you. I'm in Winnipeg right now. Yeah. Let me just use Winnipeg as an example. In 1977, uh, just after the 73 trial in the States, they everybody realized, oh my goodness, we've installed a great deal of this asbestos cement water pipe. Do we have asbestos in our water? So they did a test in 1977 in Canada. And yes, the the highest levels recorded in 1977 were in Bay Verde, Newfoundland at 1.8 billion fibers per liter. Bay Verde, Newfoundland had an asbestos uh, mine and the main pipe in town is asbestos cement. But more interestingly, Winnipeg, had levels as high as 6.5 million fibers per liter in 1977. The current EPA level is 7 million fibers per liter. The, hmm. the, uh, the Health and Welfare Canada, and it's that old, the Health and Welfare Canada from 77 study said that not only did they have high levels in the water, that there was statistical evidence that their pipes were deteriorating in 1977. So the city of Winnipeg, got involved. They hired a, their commission to look into this. The commission reported back in the mid-80s, and by then the levels were 12.3 million fibers per liter. So they, right. they recommended that the city of Winnipeg test its water. From 1985 to 1995, they did 10 tests a year, and they found uh, at one location 19 million fibers per liter, but they stopped testing in 95. They have not tested the water for asbestos in Winnipeg since 1995. And one of those locations found 19 million fibers per liter. And this is where it gets tricky too. The the non-detect, that's as long as the the fibers are under 10 microns in length, you don't count them. They're not not counted. If it's 9.8 microns in length, you don't count it. So it gets a little tricky. But I just find it remarkable that Regina is very similar to the clay soil in Winnipeg. The pipes are breaking in Winnipeg. They found levels above the non-detect. I find it remarkable that the city of Regina has uh, not found any asbestos. And they'll tell you, we have found no asbestos in Regina water. So what are you you suggesting? Well, I'm suggesting that uh, for those four years where they tested one 
site annually. If you look at those, uh, those tests for 16, 17, 18, and 19, they were using the wrong unit of measure. They're using milligrams per liter, MGL. It says right on the city test sites, MGL. I had a chat with Curtis Doney in April of 2021. Within a week of our conversation, those, those levels, those were all changed to million fibers per liter, which is the world recommended standard for testing asbestos. For four years, the city of Regina was using the wrong unit of measure to test for asbestos in water. I don't know if the city made a mistake or the lab made a mistake, but the, the city website says it was MGL, milligrams per liter. That's the incorrect unit for measuring asbestos in water. What difference did that have on the testing? I don't know. Couldn't they convert the units? Like uh, It looks here that they, for those four years, the detection threshold was uh, 0.17 million fibers per liter, and it was lowered to 0.16 million fibers per liter from 2020 onward. No so I don't, I don't, I'm, I'm looking for, I was just looking for the, uh, the other units and I couldn't find it, but they've updated the website clearly. Well, and I'll, I'll leave that up to uh, somebody from the city of Regina to explain. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm not an expert in that, but I do find it strange they were using the wrong unit of measure. And again, for four years, they were testing one site annually when we had close to 2,000 asbestos cement water pipe breaks, even 11 sites. Um, I should mention we're on 91.3 FM CJTR, Regina Community Radio. We're the Queen City Improvement Bureau, and we're speaking to Julian Branch about asbestos uh, concrete pipes in our water system. About to sort of sum up uh, that we, we do have testing in the city. Um, your, your contention is that the testing is extremely limited and the and it looks like they were using the wrong unit of measurement for, for a period of time. And other jurisdictions, similar jurisdictions, have, you know, water, water main breaks with as detectable levels of asbestos which makes you wonder just how effective this testing is. I've just, just to put it in a nutshell. I think that's uh, the, the nutshell it belongs in. And I would just add one thing with mm-hmm. regard to the transparency at the city of Regina. Uh, you'll see that uh, the city of Regina posted a notice of inquiry when I raised this matter with several councillors and the mayor. They said that they were going to hold a notice of inquiry to look into this matter. I was quite excited by that. I phoned the city clerk immediately to make a presentation, either in writing or in person or in both. But I was told by the city clerk that due to the nature of the notice of inquiry, there would be no opportunity to do that because notice of inquiry is not debated at city council. And that was confirmed to me by a city councillor shortly before it arrived on August the 11th, 2021. There was no public presentation allowed. There was no debate at city council. It was quietly received for information and filed on the so-called open data website, where it remains to this day. What the process turned into was city administration asking itself a number of questions to which it already knew the answers and putting it on the open data website. And one of those, one of those responses, I will tell you, is when you look at those on the memo, It says that the city does not tell residents, does not inform residents what type of water pipe is being replaced or relined. Residents have a right to know what type of water pipe that is, because Hmm. numerous federal, provincial and municipal studies show that a, quote, minor disturbance to an asbestos cement water main 
can flush those fibers into the water, causing a health concern. If somebody's working on an asbestos cement pipe in front of my house, I want to know so I'm not drinking that water. Residents have a right to know what type of water main is being worked on. As, as you assert, there's, there's um, work is not being done as swiftly as you'd like to see on these concrete pipes. Uh, what should the public be looking out for? Like with, with lead in the drinking water, there's like, there's a blood test you can do so that you know if you have lead poisoning, there are like symptoms that people can have. You can test your pipes in your house and test the water for lead. And you can check to see if the pipes in your basement that come in, if they're copper, or if they're lead, like what is your prescription for Regina residents? What should they be on the lookout for? My prescription would be for the city of Regina to create an awareness campaign as they have done with lead. Mm-hmm. Like I say, lead's regulated, asbestos is not. That does not stop you from creating an awareness campaign. Put the map that has been created. There are two maps that I've had the city of Regina create. One is a water main material type map, mm-hmm. and the other one is a buried versus a abandoned in place versus active asbestos cement pipe map. Those are both on the open data website and very difficult to find. The city of Regina has a very user-friendly maps page. They've got lead pipes, sewer pipes. They've got flower bed arrangements on that user-friendly map page. Put those two asbestos cement map pages there so people can see them so they know whether or not they have asbestos cement pipes. Therefore, they're informed. Do I get bottled water? Do I get a filter? What do I need to do? They, they need to inform Regina residents about this. They're doing the exact opposite. If you look at media stories from 2016 onward, every time the city goes out to talk about, and we know we've got a huge problem with broken water pipes, up to 400 a year in the city of Regina, every time that uh, Curtis Doney or his uh, predecessor spoke about this, they would always use the term concrete. We've got 2% of the water pipes in Regina are concrete. It's different from asbestos cement. The director of water would be well aware of that. Why they're telling the media that the concrete pipes are causing the problem, I have no idea. My guess is they probably don't want to say the words asbestos cement out loud. I can can tell you, I can tell the two of you and all your listeners that I have been watching this for a couple of years now. And uh, I may be a little obsessive about it. When I hear about a water main break, I'll go to the water main break. And one happened right in front of my house in Albert Park on June 15th of last year. And the people came to fix my neighbor's connector. And I had a chat with the foreman. And I said, by the way, what type of water main do I have on this street? And I know because I've checked with the city and it's an asbestos cement, six inch asbestos cement water main. The personal connector is Polly B. And uh, when I asked him what kind of water main we had, he said concrete. And I said, concrete, I thought it was asbestos cement. No, no concrete. And then he finally acknowledged, well, yeah, we might have an asbestos cement. Yeah, he knew. He knew we had an asbestos. And I said, the reason you don't want to say asbestos is because you don't want people to hear that word. And he chuckled and said, yes. And that's not the only one. I've, I've run into a couple of foremen on city crews that are working on asbestos cement that will tell you it's a concrete pipe. Why would they do that? Right. Um, I've got two questions uh, for you on that. Uh, first of all, just a heads up. I've just gone to the water quality page. Yeah, uh, they do have the map of asbestos cement water pipes available on that page. It downloads as a PDF, and the Excellent. water, the asbestos cement pipes on there are blue. Just about the water pipes in the ground. Uh, 
Like we know that when asbestos is exposed to the air, uh, inhalation of the fibers can, you know, can cause mesothelioma. Uh, it's, it's a really serious situation. Uh, should, should crews that are working on these pipes be worried about it? And should like, when you see like a pipe being dug up in your neighborhood, is that a problem? Uh, actually, uh, yes, the crew should be very concerned about that. And uh, a number of the crews that I've seen working on these pipes don't even have a, a COVID mask on, let alone respirators mm. and full hazmat gear. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think CUPE should be very concerned about that. Uh, Judy Henley and, and the gang over at CUPE would probably have something to say about that, I would think. I'm sure they've looked into that. Right. And yes, people should be very concerned when these pipes are being dug up in front of their houses because... They're not being informed by the city what type of pipe it is. In Whitmore Park and Hillsdale, I can almost guarantee you 100% any pipe in there is going to be asbestos cement. The federal studies show that the pipe breakage of AC pipes in, in Whitmore Park is by far the worst in the city. And I used to live there for 14 years. You, you know what the roads are like down in Whitmore Park. Mm -hmm. and Hillsdale. Uh, there, there's one street location in particular I'd like to mention. There was a major major, I'd call it a catastrophic asbestos, or a water main break on October the 10th at the intersection of Argyle and Hill. And if you look at that map, if you look at those two maps, there's nothing but blue at, at the intersection of Argyle and Hill. So I, I have to assume from the city's maps that that was an asbestos cement water main break. Tell me, uh, I was just curious as to how you, uh, Julian, how, how you came to be interested in, you know, asbestos cement. Like, what was your... Good what question. Was your what was your moment on the road to Damascus? I guess. Very good question. Um, I, I've I was a journalist for twenty five years, and I got into strategic communications. And when I was doing that, I was asked to help somebody run for mayor in twenty twenty twelve. One of the oh. candidates for mayor approached me, so I met with him, and he seemed like a nice fellow. So, as you'll recall, you guys will know that the sexy uh, issues in twenty twenty twelve were a football stadium and a wastewater treatment plant. I got the sexy assignment to look into the wastewater treatment. <laughs> Oh, being a good old being a good old journalist, I pulled out the 2012 water and sewer budget. And there on page 29 on the 2012 water and sewer budget is the fact that almost 50% of the pipes of the water distribution pipes in Regina are asbestos cement. And I went, I immediately went, what, how can that be? That's insane. Why would asbestos be anywhere near water? So I started looking into it. And, and here's the fascinating thing. 2012, 13, 14, 15, those budgets, those water and sewer budgets all looked the exact same. They all talked about asbestos cement. They all talked about the breakage. They all talked about the problem with it. Look at the 2016 budgets onwards. There's not a mention of asbestos cement pipe in water and sewer budgets. Look at the 2018 water master plan, a 60 page document, 25 year plan for Regina water. We know all about it at the city of Regina, what a big problem it is. The words do not appear in our water master plan. What happened? What happened in around 2015, 16? There seems to be, now I have a background in communications, strategic communications, so I, I know how comstrats work. And I would suggest that there was a come to Jesus moment somewhere in city council and said, let's stop talking about this stuff. Right, because if it's not regulated, there's there's not much will to do anything, et cetera. No. But, but the, the funny thing was, there was a will. There was a will. Back in 2002, there was a town hall meeting about infrastructure in Regina. And then there was a research center at the University of Regina, and, and things started happening. A lot of studies came out. A lot of studies. Everybody hmm. knew about this. We were we were actually, you know, a living laboratory, I would say. Hmm. Just and it just went 
just kind of vanished down the memory hole. I guess. It's just kind of went so away. I don't know why. And and I'm, I'm being a little facetious here. And, and you, it's a case of you can pay me now or you can pay me later. <laughs> and I, I have a, a great concern that if we ignore this, we're going to be paying a great deal in, in the future. Uh, Paul, how are we doing for time? We are over time. <laughs> we are over time. Okay. <laughs> we are over time. And I'll just finish on this point, if I may, because I know we're over time. But uh, Paul read the the quote from Health Canada, there's no consistent convincing evidence that ingested asbestos is harmful. That actually comes from the World Health Organization. They've mm-hmm. taken that language directly from the World Health Organization. And I'll say this on tobacco and asbestos. The World Health Organization produced a report on something called the precautionary principle. The precautionary principle essentially says if we know something's bad, Don't wait until science proves it 100%. Do the right thing while we figure it out. The WHO says that asbestos and tobacco should be the primary reason to employ the precautionary principle. Mm -hmm. The health organization said that. On that note, uh, we have got to get to the innovative revenue tools. We're back from Innovative Revenue Tools. It feels like we never left. Could it be that the Innovative Revenue Tools were the tools we innovated with along the way? They're the real reason for everything. For City Hall, for the Bureau. It's all about Innovative Revenue Tools, Aiden. Exactly. At any rate, what's been going on with this first slug in our city, Paul? What's happening? I've got an update. Um, First to start uh, about the budget, actually, I know that's like old news all the way back to like December. And then in February, we've got our budget update where uh, in December, we passed a budget that technically didn't balance in February. We got the budget update, which said we'll do things to make it balance, but there wasn't a whole lot of detail about what exactly city administration would be doing to uh, make up this $2.9 million that Councillor Brashani basically got just basically yanked out of the budget, out of the operating budget. So I had some questions because one of the line items, we talked about this at the time in February, was um, uh, vacancy management. Right. And this is all we knew. We knew that they were going to be deploying vacancy management to uh, make up a certain amount of this $2.9 million in savings, which you know, is supposed to be not hiring people uh, into vacant positions. Uh, the only detail that we got is that there would not be any sort of like frontline people. So like when bus drivers retire, we would still be, re- we'd still be rehiring bus drivers or, you know, um, anybody like who the public, any public facing positions were still being rehired. Um, so that got me wondering because, you know, as you know, that, uh, what a what a city is actually doing is driven more by its budget than by its vision. Like that's where you really tell what a city is up to. So I was mm-hmm. curious. Well, okay, so where is this vacancy management going to be happening if it isn't frontline staff? So um, uh, Councillor Zakidniak had tried to pass a motion asking for details like that for more information about what things the city would actually be doing to make up this $2.9 million, uh, that motion failed. And so well, perhaps uh, it was too much down in the weeds. Uh, exactly. Hawkins. Yeah. And well, Hawkins said, 
if people want to get into the weeds, they can just send in their requests to the city and the city can respond when those questions come up. So I had questions. So I sent them in. Uh, I attempted to get like a, a, you know, a, a, you know, an audience with the city manager. So I could ask these questions directly and I was denied. She's too busy, mm-hmm. but you know, send your questions up by email. So that's what I did. So I thought I would read you the questions that I sent up. Uh, I asked two questions. First, it was, have you identified specific vacancies that would make up the $622,000 figure? So how precise is the number? Because they had said, we're going to be able to make savings of $622,000 in vacancy management. I wanted to know if that's like a precise figure or a guess. So I wanted to know what positions, if they had any identified. And then my second question was uh, that it was mentioned during executive committee that the vacant positions would for frontline staffs like transit were being filled as usual. Uh, so if frontline positions are off the table, what kinds of positions are up for vacancy management? So I just wanted to know what kinds of jobs could be, could be disappearing. Um, the answer I got back was the $622,000 represents approximately 0.3% of the city's annual salary budget. Delaying hiring of staff who do not directly provide resident services will make up most of the cost savings. So the answer was, here's a preemptive, here's a preemptive response to what I think you might be wanting to ask as well. Also, here's a definition of vacancy management for you. Yep. Yeah. And this... Um, this was kind of disappointing. So I actually, you know, sent another email and said, are you sure that's the answer you want to give? <laughs> I didn't get any follow-up answers. So that is the answer we've gotten. Basically, my my questions restated back to me as right. statements. Maybe, maybe if you sent a follow-up question to say, how much of the budget is this $622,000? Then they would actually answer your question correctly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Maybe maybe it was opposite day at City Hall, like you know, at the city manager's office. You, you, that's the thing. If you yeah. don't if you don't ask if it's opposite day, they're not legally obligated to tell you. That's a good point. I should have remembered that. I used to have that in my SIG, but then I changed my SIG to um <laughs> you must disclose if it's opposite day. Yeah. And they're like, ah, damn it, he's got us. Or he doesn't got us because it's opposite. Like a fool. I changed my sake to happy transit challenge week <laughs> preemptively back in February. Cause I'm oh, so uh, excited about this season. Help. Uh, yeah. Mentioning, we mentioned transit week uh, earlier. Um, what's the uptake like that uh, from, uh, from city hall? You know, I don't know. I do know that counselors, uh, well, counselors at Kidneyac, apparently, according to her uh, Facebook, has been using uh, transit to get to and from City Hall uh, for her entire term on council. Well, yeah. What do you know? So she's been taking the transit challenge uh, seriously even before the transit challenge existed. Counselor Stadnichuk has been doing the transit challenge and has been providing regular updates. Uh, Counselor Stadnichuk uh, talked about... Um, being invited to go to a show with a friend at the Conexus Art Center and what a oh, miserable good. problem that is trying to get to the Conexus Art Center by transit. Yeah, good luck. Yeah. That's, that's a that's a fair walk, if I recall correctly. Yeah, it's better than it used to be, but uh, it's, still, it's still not the most convenient place in the city to get to by transit. Super convenient if you got a car, but by bus it's yes. not so good. Um, yeah, but as you know, 
Uh, did we talk about the mayor's response to the transit challenge? Not on the show. Uh-huh. We have just we have we have talked about it via Twitter or text or, or some such. Yeah, she um, she says she cannot participate in the transit challenge. Uh, she pointed out that her schedule <clears throat> is set like a month in advance, and she only heard about the transit challenge like with a couple of weeks' notice, and so it was too late for her to change her schedule to uh, fit with the because the transit challenge lasts for two weeks, mm-hmm. but that one of her staff is going to be taking the transit challenge for her and uh, reporting back on how it goes, which I have to say is a fairly tone-deaf response. Yeah, I think, I think that's kind of missing the point. Also, I think if, you're, if you have a job, right, and not, not shift, not like, like midnight to, you know, 6 a.m. shift work type job, but a job job type job, which, you know, yeah. takes up your daytime, uh, I think that if you can't, make transit to job and back work within your schedule, you already know there's a problem with transit in the city. Yeah. I, I, I just think like if, if, if she's, if she honestly is looking at this and going, I can't make this work. Um, then maybe we need to be looking at how transit works. If someone, I mean, I'm sure she works long hours, mm-hmm. uh, but I don't know. Well, and she's the final arbiter of what happens to transit in the city, and even she can't use it. No, and maybe there's meetings she has to get get to. Yeah. You know, it's. I mean, but I mean, for for some people, and this is the thing, she might be able to make it work. She might not be able to make it work. But for a substantial number of people in the city, there are no other options. Mm-hmm. They have to live their lives around the, the vicissitudes of of Regina Regina Transit. Um, so, and I just think she should take that and understand yeah. what she what she's saying when she's saying. You know what? I'm going to. I should play a clip from the press conference. One thing that the mayor did point out, and uh, it's completely unfair of me to have not led with this, but the mayor has been a transit user in the past. Uh, okay. When the mayor was not the mayor, when the mayor was like a student, and she talked about how being a student riding the bus, it was a lifesaver to have. You know an inexpensive transportation option. A group recently kind of did a challenge to counselors and to you as well to, to do the 48 hours of riding city transit, using that to get everyone. Uh, are you planning to take part in it at some point? And if, if you are or, or not, why not? I, I think the time frame was March 6th or March 9th to March 16th. The, the problem with my schedule is that I it's pretty much booked into the next four months. And so I think we got the notice a, a couple weeks ago, a few weeks ago. And so um, because I'm here and I'm there and I'm everywhere, uh, we didn't build a transit system to accommodate kind of back-to-back bookings. Um, I think what we've got someone in my office who's going to do the challenge just so that we've got feedback kind of at the table with us. Um, and then I think um, probably on a, a day where I'm either in the office or only have so many places to be where I don't have to be back somewhere else at a, at a future date, not necessarily within the challenge date. I'll ride the bus for 48 hours. Although I will add that uh, I was a single mom when I started university and the bus got me to and from and my daughter to and from daycare and then on to university on the regular. So um, it saved my life because parking was expensive at the university and uh, uh, it worked for me. But there's things about my schedule in the short term which make it incredibly difficult. So, you know, the mayor does understand. So I, you know, Hmm. I should have led with that and I apologize. You know who I'd really love to see taking the transit challenge? 
Ooh, counts, Counselor Nelson. Yeah. Because I'll, I'll say this. I mean, we've we've uh, we've we've said we've said things about Nelson in the past. But one of the things I, I quite like about Nelson is that she's very open mm-hmm. to when when she when she's given the chance to experience something, and you know, and and just, and I, I think I think she's often quite willing to like rethink her positions and change her mind on things. Uh, yeah. So I would love it if Counselor Nelson took the bus. Uh, so that she could get a, a good sense. I'm sure she has in the past, but just try and live like that for just a little bit and see what yeah. it's like. Yeah, I know. I know you can do a counselor, Nelson. You're you're made of the right stuff. Uh, and it is possible she's doing it, and I wouldn't know because she's not on any of the social media that I'm on, and I, I think I'm blocked. <laughs> also, when it, this airs on the 16th, <laughs> I'm blocked. Right. I don't think I am. Um, I might be. No, geez, no, I'm curious. Um, but this airs on the 16th. The challenge is going to be over pretty soon. Oh, yeah. 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 But, you know, it's all, it's always a good time to yeah. take that bus. Yeah. Especially during this terrible time of year. <laughs> Just right? walking outside is like gross. So we're on 91.3 FM CJTR, Regina Community Radio. We're the Queen City Improvement Bureau. Mm-hmm. And uh, the other thing that's happened since uh, the last time we met is... Council has actually passed a catalyst project. It is now, it's like full steam ahead on the indoor aquatic center. Whoa. Yeah. So the last time we talked, uh, the catalyst committee had released their recommendations. Executive committee had taken a look at them. And uh, what has come out of that, what, it, what came out of that executive committee meeting is that um, council acknowledged that the report came out. People didn't have a lot of time to sit with it. And uh, it would be nice on one hand, you had people saying, this is a big report. People need to be able to like read it all the way through, grok it, and then come to council and, you know, have their, say their piece on it. Councillor uh, Stevens was like, we, who was on the committee, we worked really hard on this. The report has come out. And I don't think enough people have even noticed that we've released the report. It would be nice if there was a little bit more time before we make our final decision for people to kind of, uh, you know, bask in the awesome that are the catalyst committee's recommendations so um he didn't put it that way that's a paraphrase <laughs> he did not say bask in the awesome no anyways there was my phone uh the so what happened was at the executive committee meeting they decided to move discussion of the non-vehicular trail system which is mm-hmm. the new tippity top number one capitalist uh or sorry catalyst project uh the arena the downtown arena the uh, modernization of the downtown library and their recommendations about the soccer the outdoor soccer and outdoor um baseball field which is basically let's not do them as catalyst projects let's just do them like regular recreation uh, facilities they're going to move discussion of those to march 22nd at council Uh, and this will give people who have concerns about these things more time to look at them. Uh, and as speaking of people who, uh, uh, well, speaking of Councillor Nelson, uh, she pointed out that a lot of her residents have been reaching out to her saying, you know, we're coming, we're, we're only learning about this at the last minute. We're not a big fan of, uh, you know, the way that this has all gone down without us being able to like participate. And she also looked at how the Catalyst Committee is recommending putting the arena downtown, but what consultation has been done, what's been identified, and is that a lot of the public, 
like 90% of the public that's been pulled keep saying, we don't want it downtown. We want to put it somewhere else, like in the yards or at the real district. Um, so Nelson uh, moved a motion and it, it was successful to hold another uh, online survey because it was acknowledged that the Catalyst survey, mm-hmm. uh, as we found, was not particularly well designed to sort of tease out whether or not people wanted an arena downtown. It was kind of, the, you know, the strings were we being know. pulled. Yeah, we 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 know we know that the that that survey, and I, I don't even think it was necessarily done like deliberately a mustache twirlingly to get the result they wanted. I just think they didn't think carefully. Oh, I know, think there was. I think that if people on the Catalyst Committee had mustaches, they there would have been twirling. Yeah. <laughs> we should we should give the members of the Catalyst Committee fake mustaches. Yeah. Just, just as a as an inexplicable gag gift, yeah. and then say if you had been listening to the March sixteenth, twenty twenty three episode, the Queen City Improvement Bureau. This will make perfect sense. <laughs> this will all this will all work. It all makes sense in the end. Yeah. So, anyways, that uh, that survey is up. It's up right now. It's only up until the nineteenth, so uh, it will be going down any day now after you listen to this. But uh, it, there's the first question on the, on the quiz is, uh, do you support a downtown arena? So uh, the results of this are going to be pretty unequivocal. And uh, we'll, see, we'll see whether or not this moves the needle. I think this, this could be decisive. Like if there is a really strong, a strong negative response to a downtown arena, uh, I don't think uh, other members of council, apart from like Hawkins and maybe Stevens, are completely like sold on this idea. So mm-hmm. this, oh, and the mayor, the mayor, I think really wants it downtown, but I, I think it could, it could, you know, change the recommendation. So, you, you know, you know, something what? I have not, I have not taken the survey yet. Oh, you should. I should. Yeah. Is it, is it, uh, is it a long survey? No, it's pretty quick. You, yeah. Is it, could it, could it be done right on the air? Yeah, absolutely. Excellent. Yeah. Uh, so you want to do that right now? Yeah, let's do this right now. Okay, so you want to go to beheardregina.com. Be heard. Is that all just one word, beheardregina? Yeah, be, no, sorry, beheard.regina. Oh, okay. CA.ca, sorry. Beheard. <laughs> I, I, know, I know what they're saying. Man, oh, man. Beheard. Drive Corridor Catalyst Committee View yeah. Project. I love it. Actually, I actually really like this site. It's yeah, just, I do too. And then it's kind of in that update. You see where it says Regina.ca slash survey? That's how you uh, get into it there. Hold on here. Where are you? Uh, okay. Well, I see the Catalyst Committee. And you Is go it... down. It says update. And right above the word background, there's a hyperlink in the line above background. Okay. Oh, wait. I should expand my page. In the left column. Update. Background. It's also the online survey. Yeah. Open till March 19th. You can access it at. Then you click on Regina.ca slash survey. Ah, I see it. Okay. We're, we're, we're getting there. Cooking okay. with gas. Okay. What's it? Cooking with gas. We are conducting a short survey of residents. You can share your opinions on new indoor multi-porpoise. Hold on a moment. Porpoise. No, it's purpose. Event center for Regina. Blah, 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 blah. Please click below to continue. First off, my resident Regina, at least 16 years of age. <laughs> no, I am 12. But, uh, you know, and I live within Regina's downtown. I sure as sugar do. Um, oh, postal code. Secret, oh, make secret. sure you use a real one. Yep. Secret, secret, secret. And no space in the middle. Yeah, I, I, 
to my to my great grief, I just found that out. Um, okay. okay. City is considering building a new indoor multipurpose event center in the downtown area. Facility would have the capacity to host about 8,000 people and be used for a variety of purposes, sporting events, concerts, and entertainment events. Okay. And my my options are it is needed and belongs downtown. Needed but does not belong downtown. It is not needed. Unsure. You know, I just, I, I have yet to see any conclusive proof that this is actually unnecessary thing for the city so yeah call call me call me some kind of hippie but all right okay how much do i agree or disagree with the following statements a new downtown multi-purpose event center will have a positive impact on the city of regina oh i'm just gonna go with that there strongly disagree it's weird that they would actually say allow me to say it wasn't needed and then ask these questions but that's neither here nor there other question a new downtown multi-purpose event center is an important priority for the city of Regina? Well, that's a weird question because it's obviously an important priority for the city of <laughs> Catalyst County. But I am going to say nine. I strongly disagree. Okay, there are four large projects proposed to the city. Multi-purpose event center is ranked as the fourth highest priority. We higher priority projects. I feel like this is a previously on segment. Um, yeah. Okay, the non-vehicular trail system, the indoor aquatic facility, the modernized public library. Which of the following three statements best describes your opinion on the new multi-purpose event center? Uh, it should be removed. It should be ranked at a higher priority. The fourth ranking of the event center is correct. You know what? Given that I think this will just create years of like annoyance in the downtown, blocked off streets, disrupted traffic, it's gonna and general log to this for for what? a multi-purpose events facility, I'm going to say just dump that. Dump it from the list. Uh, if the new multi-purpose events center were built downtown, would I visit downtown less often, about the same, more often, I'm sure? Well, I mean, I live here. Oh, jeez. Would you flee during games, though? Yes, less often. I'd hide in my freaking house. Um, well, what would encourage, encourage me to de- visit downtown Regina more often? And there's a lot of... A lot of options here. Yeah, and you only get to pick three. Right. Okay, movie theater. Heck yes, I love movie theaters. Better accessibility. Well, for me, no. I think that should be there. Brighter streets, more streetlights, easier connection uh, between warehouse and downtown. I'm going to say yes. Free parking, grocery store. Well, we've got got the cathedral area grocery store, so I'm going to move past that. Improve safety, improve transit. Well, everything goes downtown, so less construction, more bars, restaurants, and cafes. Yeah, I'm, I'm good with that. Cultural activities, family-friendly. I, I hate families. I, I am an <laughs> army of one. I, I, that would be nice, but I think they're actually just a good job. At it. More green spaces. We've got the park. More live events, entertainment concerts. That would be nice, but we but there is we, we have several. In the summertime, we've got lots of events in the park downtown. Mm-hmm. More patios, that would be nice. More parking, I don't care. More pedestrian-only streets. Um, and uh, more public washrooms. Yeah, that would be, that wouldn't be a bad idea. More sheltered walkways, shopping, uh, better bike lanes, safer sidewalks, sporting events, something else. Nothing, nothing to me to visit more. So I'm going to go with movie theater, easier connections, and more bars, restaurants, and cafes. Cool. Because that's, that's good picks. There are other things that I think would also be good, but that's, I'm just going for like 
what I look instead yeah. of, you know, considering other people who exist to be a shadow. <laughs> um, and then we've got the demographic questions. Old folky. I'm a dude. Oh, it says male, not dude, but you get it. Yeah. All right. And there we go. I submitted it. Cool. Cool. Yeah. And I don't know. It's funny when, when asked directly about the facility, like, I don't think we, that a facility is necessarily like a bad thing. Like I could see it somewhere in the city. And I think there, there are people in the city who, who actually enjoy these kinds of things. And mm-hmm. I think it would encourage people to come out and enjoy themselves. Um, but I don't know. Downtown just seems like a, 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 such a daffy place to put it. Yeah. Maybe in some cities a debt would work, but I don't. Th- but we seem incapable of adding anything to our downtown without making it even more chaotic and unfriendly and incoherent. Yeah, and I spoke with uh, Tim Reed last week, and we broadcast that mm-hmm. as last week's uh, QCIB meeting. Right. And yeah. one of the things that he talked about is that the design of the arena will actually make a huge difference. Like we could, you know, he was upfront about the fact that we could design a really cruddy arena. And it, we may not get the kind of like, you know, economic lift that they're hoping for because it'd be a terrible arena and nobody would want to be there. So the, the design is going to be really important. Mm-hmm. And so it's almost like, um, it's almost like the, the question isn't complete. Like we don't, we don't know where they want to put it downtown. We don't know what they want to make yeah. it look like. Uh, we're being kind of like backed into a corner to say, yes, downtown is clearly the best place for it, but there's still a lot of open questions before we can even really answer that question. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's the other thing. I mean, that that is undoubtedly a better survey than the mm-hmm. previous one. Absolutely. Uh, but it does but it but the it's still frustratingly broad and vague. Yeah. And the the big long list of other options for downtown where you only got to pick 3, that kind of bugged me because it does sort of like it will water down the responses so that um the, the parking lobby is going to have a lot of power there because a lot of people sort of have this misconception about a lack of parking. I think they'll poke parking on that survey and we're going to get a response back saying, well, we need to start bulldozing more buildings so that people can park downtown. Um, when I think what downtown really needs is more shopping, more patios. Um, I don't know, better transit, better bike lanes. Like there's like, I don't know, half mm-hmm. dozen, 10 things on that list that I would have liked to have ticked off as being a better choice than a stadium, but I only yeah. got three. So I think, I think if you spend any time downtown, I mean, one of the things you'll notice very quickly, is, especially in this city is that there's like, there are people out at noon at, like to have lunch and there are people going to work and leaving work. Yeah. But when that's not happening, it is like, it's dead. Nobody wants yeah. to even consider downtown as a place worth staying at. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, you get people in the, in the, like at the Cornwall center mall, but it seems like just, it, it's almost, I feel like people come here and then they hear like there's a bomb threat and they evacuate. Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's a real shame. Yeah, and, absolutely. And it's been that way since I can remember. Yeah. Hey, I've already forgotten and I've like closed the window, but on that list was residential listed. I don't think so. That's I mean, I... an interesting question. More people. Yeah. More more houses or condo dwellings downtown where people can actually live. Because yeah. that's yeah. exactly what downtown needs is yeah. more people living there. And we've known that for an incredibly long time. So mm-hmm. agreed. Yeah. I also like that they did ask if uh, if I if the survey 
Northwest residents if they were, you know, the surveyed if they were downtown residents, because I think that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, one problem has been that many people who live uh, in newer neighborhoods have found that they're, uh, they've been rejected from doing the survey. I don't know if that's because they typed in their postal code wrong or if the survey uh, is only, it has like an acceptable list of postal codes and some new neighborhoods haven't been added to that list, hmm. but it has been, it has been a frustration for some people, uh, yeah. but they, there, there are workarounds and people have been able to fill out the survey. So. Oh, good. Good to hear. Well, on that note, we are pretty much out of time. Uh, we, we did, there's a ton of news about the indoor aquatic center. We should save that for next meeting. Okay. Cause that's, I think some of that's really good news. So I think yeah. it's, fab- I think it's, yeah. I think it's very fabulous news, actually, what uh, what was discussed. So, yeah, well, let's talk about that at our next Queen City Improvement Bureau meeting. So, yeah, I sucked up all the oxygen with my with my uh, lust to take a survey. Uh, I'm always down to take a survey, but you know that. That's true. All right, then. Should we uh, move to adjourn? I would second that motion. All right. Motion is passed. Uh, meeting is adjourned. You have been listening to the Queen City Improvement Bureau on 91.3 FM CJTR. We're joining the community radio. Tune into the community. Um, we are broadcast uh, Thursday evening, 7 to 8 p.m. We broadcast Monday afternoons, 3 to 4 p.m. Uh, your hosts are Paul Deschamps and Aiden Morgan. Music by Ryan Hill, a.k.a. Guidewire. Thanks, as always, to Ryan. Uh, coming up next is stuff, programming, music, etc. Also find us on Twitter at Queen City AB and, of course, uh, our website, queencityab.com and uh, on the CJTR site where you can listen to older episodes. That's all for now. Keep on improving, Jonathan.